I, I got back into magic and I didn't want to lose sight of it again because I thought I, I wanted to keep learning. I want, I always had this idea of doing it years ago as well. Um, and I thought if I commit to something that I can do on my own way and nobody's with no expectation on me, just try it out and then let it grow organically. You're listening to the Mystery Behind Magic podcast. The podcast for ever-learning magicians. Brought to you by Chanat Kish and Robbie Stevens. You can get years and years of experience in just under one hour and listen to exclusive conversations with some of the best minds in magic. In this week's episode, we had Steve Faulkner on to talk about how he got into magic and what his sort of change from doing... Um, juggling to magic was and then why he entered the close-up magic competition in 2010 and if he was expecting to come second place then his youtube channel real magic review how he does it what he sees in the future of the channel how it's changed over the years and then his um, magic course card magic uh, course and what that looks like um who's it aimed uh, at and then we finished off with some quick fire round questions what did you think of the episode, Ruby? I really liked the him talking about the learning aspect of it. That was, I think that's definitely something we should probably cover more in future episodes because I was having a great time talking to him about that and those the, the different things that go into getting into the flow state of learning and he he mentioned a book in the interview i can't remember what it's called now but that that's a book i'm definitely going to get i mean he mentioned also a, a few books at the end and i think that's going to be something now with interviews with the quick fire questions where we ask a guest what their favorite book is and if it's a book i don't have and it sounds good, then I'll I'll probably get it. So that's that's always quite a nice thing to have. But what what do you think about it, Janad? Yeah, I really enjoyed it, and um, I really liked his sort of style. And we uh, sort of touched a bit on his new show that he's doing, and how that's changed uh, compared to other shows uh, he did. Um, you, you know beforehand uh, but yeah i really enjoyed the episode and we hope you do too thank you so much for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed this episode hello and welcome to the mystery behind magic i'm chanat kish and i am robbie stevens and in today's episode we are joined with steve faulkner how are you today steve I'm really good, thanks. I am. I am lovely because the sun is now coming through the window, which makes everything better. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And now let's go right back to the beginning. Where did your love for magic begin? It's a weird one. It, it could be an overlong story. There were two parts of it. I was in Australia uh, doing my kind of just left school, did a year out. Um, and I was a juggler as a hobby. And I met a guy that ran a juggling shop and he he and it was a magic shop as well and I, I wasn't really into magic I was just in a juggling I wasn't performing or anything and he um we just got friends and he had a gig in Taipei and he said I'm off for like a couple of weeks we run the shop 
I was like, yeah. So I sat, I sat in the shop and, and people would come in the shop and show me tricks. And there was magic in the shop I play with. And I remember that I saw this guy do a coin vanish. It was quite a simple coin vanish. It was a nice one, but it just really got me. I just thought it was absolutely beautiful. It didn't kind of matter that it fooled me on it. It was just, I just thought it was beautiful. I'd never seen a proper close up coin vanish. Um, and then I, and then another guy came in the shop and showed me a card to wallet. Uh, you know, even even a, a non-signed card, I remember, but I just couldn't get it out of my head. I was like, how? How did he get? And and it, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I learned two tricks in this sh- in this shop. And I was kind of, I think I was about eighteen. I'm forty seven now, so it's, that's terrifying. Uh, and I learned the silk in thumb tip, and I learned the cigarette vanishing cigarette in thumb tip, and I learned the Svengali deck to free trouble. I thought two and a half tricks. And I would go into bars because everybody ran out of money and had to go home to England or get really bad jobs. And I thought, I'm not getting a really bad job. So I would go into bars and say to people, okay, I'm going to show you a trick and you don't, I don't want any money and you can tell me to go away. But if you think it's cool, you can buy me a drink if you want. And through doing that, I ended up meeting people, spending time with people, then inviting me back and staying with them for two weeks, you know, and, and it kept me out in Australia for, for a lot longer. So uh, so I came back with this love of magic for it was great and then got back into juggling and the long story short I went to circus school um, in London started doing street performing as a juggler having a sort of comedy juggling apology show and met Peter Wardell who was a pro magician and street performer and he kind of got me back into the idea of magic and and so I had a few years off I, I kind of played with cards every now and then but saw the effect like when I was doing corporate gigs as a juggler, I would see the effect that magicians were having on people and I could see or feel the effect I was having on people. People kind of walk past me and go, oh, that's kind of cool, he can juggle really well. Whereas I wasn't getting that sort of gut punch response. Um, so it got me playing with it again. And then I just really fell in love with, with the, I mean, there's just so much to learn and I love learning stuff. So I just fell in love with it about, about, about five years gap in between. Yeah. What? made you stay into magic i mean you mentioned that you have the learning aspect of it but there are loads of Mm. other things that you can learn so why specifically did you carry on with magic i think because i love i love i see i don't really like i'm not the sort of person that watches loads and loads of magic shows i i I don't there's a i would say most magic i don't really enjoy that much i'm not kind of like don't get me wrong and then some magic i just utterly adore so someone like Cardini, watching that one clip on YouTube of Cardini, I just think is the most magical, wonderful thing in the world. I like vaudeville. I used to like vaudevillian jugglers from the 30s. So anything vaudevillian. Um, so I would see that, and it was a bit like juggling. I loved how it looked, and that was very motivating to be able to do something like that. Um, back in the day, I suppose, there was a little bit of ego involved. Um, and I think the... The learning aspect is a massive part of it. I, I I think if it hadn't been magic, it would have been something else. Do you know what I mean? It, I think because it ended up being a job, it that's kind of what stuck me to it. But again, I I, I got out of it. You know, I I called it my wilderness years, and only a few years ago, you know, I kind of spent three or four years not really into it. I did gigs, but I didn't learn anything new, and and then had an accident, a uh, snowboarding accident. Uh, there's a link on YouTube. I'll give it you later if you want. It's it was uh, just everything went wrong. But I was in this horrible um, hotel, um, hospital, and I got messages from other magicians, people like Rich McDougall, Michael Vincent, and and just 
then I had this Daryl magic book on me because I was thinking, oh, I might try and get back into magic. And it just, at that point, I kind of sit in there for days with these deck of cards. And I thought, I want to be a hobbyist again. I want to learn for the sake of learning. I don't want to just learn a trick that I might use in a gig. And and then then that, and then I could feel that joy again that I felt back in the day. I kind of remembered, oh, this is why I got into it. You know, it wasn't just it wasn't just to find a trick for a show or it was just to do it. And and I and it, I really reconnected with that there. So so that I think that's what keeps me into it now is the fact that there's no real goal. It's not like I'm learning a thing for a thing. And don't get me wrong, I'm still learning stuff to, for a show. But I don't sit down and go, well, that's useless. I'm never going to use it. I just try and, and I think that's the joy of magic for me. It is the learning and the doing rather than just the performing of it. Yeah. And who do you think uh, your sort of biggest inspiration in magic was? Sorry, I just lost you for a second then, I think. Who do you think your biggest inspiration in magic is or was? I think, I think at the time it was people I met. It was there wasn't kind of it wasn't people off TV and stuff. I, as a kid, I, I really I remember really loving the stuff on Paul Daniels that wasn't Paul Daniels. And that sounds as I'm not meaning that in a derogatory way. I just didn't really connect with the illusions and stuff like that. But I loved I loved his chop. I remember seeing his chop cup, and I remember seeing the guests on the Paul Daniels show, the jugglers and the 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 people that would come on and do the cups and balls and 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 sort of gambling routines and stuff that I wouldn't say, I mean, sort of in a, they, when I got back into magic, they were the people I remembered and thought I could learn that stuff. But I think it was people like Peter Waldell was a street performer with me um, and continues to be an inspiration really and became a sort of bit of a mentor. Uh, so he inspired me at the time and it was just people I kind of ran into. And a guy called Jacques Lasseur, well, I had the, I had a street performing gig in South Africa when I was a terrible street performer right at the beginning of my, performing but uh, and he he's the guy that stole nelson mandela's watch you know like he, he's a great great watch dealer and and he and i saw these guys on stage doing that and that really inspired me and and, and my first l and l videos that i got there were two magic dvds that i got lent one was uh david regal one of his early dvds and I've, i kind of had never seen a lot of those tricks so that was quite inspiring and then I got the Bill Malone first set of DVDs, which I still think are the best magic DVDs you can buy. I think there's a complete career on those things. It's just got everything on it. It's got Slidini Silks, Cups and Balls, Billy Lemon, card routines that actually work commercially. Uh, it's, and, and, I, and I saw that and I thought, right, that is kind of in line with my kind of style of having a laugh, you know, not taking it too seriously, but doing some really different, you know, challenging magic. So I think that yeah, I think Bill Malone, people like that, but but now I don't know, you know. I just just a bit of everything. I can I, I tend to be able to see good in everything, you know. I, everything I review, I, I get inspired by something about it, you know. If it's and it kind of reintroduces me to like, you know, I'm looking now at the David Regal knives, and I kind of went, oh yeah, they're really cool. And and I recently did the Malero rings, you know, and got back into doing the rings, you know. So it's it's all these little bits of inspiration. I, I, there aren't many people, and I don't, I've never been one to kind of, you know, watch hours and hours of of one magician. Um, uh, Inspiration-wise, people, I, I had a gig when I just started getting back into magic, actually. 
as a, I wasn't booked as a magician, I was booked as a street performer. Again, Pete Wardell had done the gig as well. And it was with Luis de Matos in Coimbra in Portugal. And I turned up to this gig and I, I'd just been recommended because I could do the straight jacket and, and it was quite a physical show. And I was sat at a table and, and I was sat with Johnny Thompson, Stan Allen, Leonard Green, I think Leonard Green, was it uh, Bob Sheets maybe, or that might have been two different gigs, but um, Mike Caveney. So Stan Allen, uh, uh, Johnny Thompson, Mike Caveney were on this gig. And Louis Dematos, and I spent three days, this, and uh, Richard McDougall, I'd never met Rich, and, and I've spent three days with these people just listening to the stories. And I think that was probably, as I'm talking now, I'm thinking that was probably the thing that made me go, oh, man, this is, yeah. I kind of That was my introduction to the bigger world of magic, I think. I'd still never been to a convention, I don't think, by then. Quickly going back to learning, because obviously it's one of the things where you want to keep learning with magic. How do you make learning like the process as fun as possible well i mean i i've i've got a kind of a a, a slight obsession with this i'm writing a show about it at the moment and for me the learning is and actually if you look at the science of happiness flow this there's a famous book called flow the science of happiness or the psychology of happiness um but he studies, you know, that, that feeling of being in the zone and what it, what is it that gets us into the zone, whatever we're doing, whether we're, we're climbing, we're learning something difficult. And one of the criteria of getting into that place, which is arguably a happy place, you know, whatever we're doing, whether we're playing a video game, the criteria of getting into that is a certain amount of challenge, instant, so it can't be too easy and boring. We get instant feedback so we can see progress. We do it. We do it for the sake of doing it, so it doesn't have to have some kind of big meaningful go. It's it, the. I mean, it can have, but the the reason for doing it is within itself. So it kind of becomes point. You know, you, so you don't care that you're not. You, you know, if you kill the boss in a video game, it's not going to achieve anything in the outside world. That doesn't matter. You're doing it for the sake of doing it, and and I think magic ticks a lot of them boxes. I think that you, when I am learning a trick and I'm really into it, I forget about that. So I think it's not just me. I just think that people have maybe when they get to a certain age, they forget the joy of learning. And I think, of course, there are things that you don't like learning because maybe you just don't want to do them. It doesn't chime with, you know, there's stuff that I learn that I find really tedious. And there's surprising stuff that I learned that I really enjoy. I just learned to touch type, you know, and I thought that would be boring and I loved it. I put music on and I found it a real flow activity. I was kind of, uh, so I think that that ma ma magic's just got so much variety and you can pick so many levels in it as well. So for me, the joy of it, of it just sort of comes with doing it. Um, but of course, you forget a lot of the time how much you enjoy it until you do it. It's like everything. You kind of, the idea of sitting down and practicing sometimes is like, oh, do I really want to do this? But 10 minutes in, usually I'm, I'm in. But again, sometimes not. So. And... What made you decide in uh, 2010 to enter the close-up um, magic competition? Uh, I think it was because it, it was such an alien world to me. I hadn't, again, I'd done the street performing competition at Blackpool, but that wasn't really a magic competition. That was just me doing what I was comfortable doing. Um, and I'd done a couple, and I'd, I've never done a magic competition, and I think it was... I had and I still actually really struggle, not when I'm lecturing, but more when I'm showing other magicians tricks. It still feels very odd to me. 
if I'm in a lecture situation, it's fine because it's kind of like part of the the criteria, the um the context. But if I'm with a lot of magicians and I, it still feels weird to me to show, and, and I just wanted to overcome that really. I kind of wanted to think, or could, wanted to test whether I could do okay. I kind of, and I was really, uh, and am, and I mean, my worst performances I've ever done are in competitions, without a doubt. I mean, not even, I just cannot get comfortable in them. It might be different now because I've done a few more lectures and stuff, but I still find it a very, very, Oh, so I kind of wanted to overcome that and see if I could just sort of test the water, really. And do you think um, by entering the competition and um, getting second place helped you overcome that fear? And did did sort of um, doing that competition go, oh, I really like this and I want to do more of it, or I want to push myself even more and do more competitions? No, it, it never really. I, I kind of... It threw me a bit because it was the first time ever that I'd done a show and not, not, you know, when I do a show and even if I'm really nervous, by the time I'm two minutes in, I'm fine. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm there and I, and I, I'm in that zone, but with co the competition, the first competition, which was a magic circle competition, I felt uncomfortable through the whole thing it, because I wasn't used to that audience. It's a very, they were warm and they were nice, but it just feels so odd. Um, so I came out of that and kind of went, I was really pleased to get second. I, I didn't think I'd get anything. Um, but I also knew I was doing cups and balls. I was doing stuff that was, you know, I've really seen thousands of times. So it wasn't, didn't feel as if I had much to offer. But it was a great thing to do, don't get me wrong. It's, and it did me the world of good. Um, and then I did the IBM a few years later. Uh, and I, again, I was shocking in that as well. But it, it felt a bit better. And... Um, but I, I was so convinced I'd done so badly in that that I went home because I, I, it was it, it was like about 50 miles from where I lived, 40 miles from where I lived. And I just kind of went home because I think, well, I haven't come anywhere near, you know, doing well in that. And then I got a phone call saying I won it, so I had to drive back. Um, but I, I'd kind of – I'd be curious to do one now if I had the time – if I had the time to – to put work into it but i did, i just kind of rocked up and did my thing and i think i think that if i did it now i'd, I'd want to do something maybe that's from my show that i'm writing now that i don't know and, you know so with the but i mean both competitions how come you do you think there's a reason as to why you judged yourself lower than the other acts i, th I think because i came into it I came into it the other way. I came into it as a performer and then became a magician and learned loads of magic. And then, but I was already performing. So, um, I think I, I think I, I think I judge myself anyway. And I've, I've, I've done a lot of work on it. And as a lot of people do, I mean, I always talk about, you know, imposter syndrome and things like that. I would see people doing magic at conventions that I couldn't relate to, but everybody was saying was amazing. And, and I, I kind of thought, well, I don't do that, and I, and I, I don't know if I'm, I can, you know, I think it's changed a lot now. I don't think it's the case more, but, but back then, I kind of, when I first went to my first Blackpool, I was really disenchanted with it. I kind of went, I was expecting people to be, you blow me away, and there were people doing. I think it was just a bad year, or I didn't see certain things, but nobody really inspired me. Um, and I just thought maybe this isn't my world. So I think that had a lot to do with it. And don't get, this has completely changed now, by the way. This was a, based on a lot of 
I think I just got bad luck and I saw some bad stuff and it was just like, yeah. And now it's, you know, there's some incredible, I get inspired every time I go to a convention. But I just felt I wasn't part of that world. And I felt that probably until not that long ago, really, when I started doing the channel, when I thought, no, I have to do it my way. I can't kind of, not that I, I, yeah, I think that's it. I didn't feel part of it, and I felt more of a part of the street performer kind of world than the magician world. And I wanted to do something about that in the end. I, you know, I kind of, I, w I didn't want to do it at the beginning. At the beginning, I was like, no, this isn't for me. And then after a while, I thought, actually, that's a really lovely community. And I started seeing things in it that I hadn't seen before. And I think I was just in a very different place. And so uh, I think, yeah, there's, there's probably a lot going on there. And, and just being new in a world that people have, I noticed that it was so cliquey as well. Everybody had known each other for years and I couldn't get into conversations with people. I just didn't have that knowledge that I do now because I've done my work, but it's, I couldn't join in conversations about magicians that they all knew that did the, the circuit, the convention circuit. But I didn't know who these people were. So I felt quite lonely at conventions and, and people like people, they weren't going to them really at the time. And, and, and I think International Magic was the first convention I went to when I kind of went, oh, no, I feel this is kind of my sort of thing. And then from there, it kind of grew again. In what sort of stage in your magic career did you start your YouTube channel? And why did you decide to start it? Oh, man, it's so many reasons. There was, it was only about three years ago. No, it's two and a half years ago. It was in August. So, um to yeah nearly three years wasn't it i i wanted to I, I got back into magic and i didn't want to lose sight of it again because i thought I, I wanted to keep learning i want i always had this idea of doing it years ago as well um and i thought if i commit to something that i can do on my own way and nobody's with no expectation on me just try it out and then let it grow organically you know so i didn't have a goal that in a certain amount of years i want i was just like i'm just going to try it and see what happens and and no quarter said well i'm bringing out this thing uh bliss this pen in sharpie uh, this um note in sharpie and he uh he said well you know and i bought it off him and he said why don't you review it and see what happens so i kind of did and 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 people seemed to like it um so it just kind of grew from there so so i think to keep learning was one of it to to feel like I was part of the community uh, I had young kids with I have shared care so I can't go to most conventions so I couldn't be part of the community that way so it kind of I thought well what, you know I'll, I'll try this and I was getting quite comfortable in front of the camera and it was kind of an experiment really and 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 I like magic stuff and I can't afford to buy the, the amount of magic stuff I want to buy you know it was lovely to be to you know people started sending me books and, and it was like great <laughs> so so that, that was a little bit of it, I suppose. Um, yeah, and j just just to, to play and see what happened. Oh, and oh, let's be honest. And to, I had this card magic course that I was relaunching. And I thought rather than getting to the hell of writing hundreds of emails and trying to market it that way and doing SEO, do something that I like doing, which is talking to the camera and waffling. So, so there, was a, there was a marketing side of it as well. Yeah. And how do you think your YouTube has changed over the years? I don't know. It still feels like early days. You know, it's still, you know, for someone like me at 47, two and a half years is quick. You know, it's not like it used to be. So, I mean, what what's, it had to stop being an 
an ego thing because it's a it's a niche channel and I haven't got the time to do loads of social media and stuff. So it's not it's not a numbers thing. It's it's you know, don't get me wrong, it's it's lovely to have five and a half thousand subscribers, but it's not like a cat video that gets, you know, twenty million. It's not, so <laughs> Uh, so it's changed. I think I've taken my ego out of it a little bit and kind of do what I want to do and talk about what I want to talk about. So when people say, Oh, you shouldn't do a review that's 15 minutes. I'm like, well, I want to, cause that's, I've got stuff to say about it. So, so it's, so I think it's, I'm kind of, I'm easy with it now. I'm, I'm not trying to prove anything really other than do what I feel that is a value. And, and, you know, if, if a hundred people say, oh, I loved that video, that's great. You know, and so so it's yeah, and I think, but I don't know how it. I suppose you'd have to. Some of the listeners would maybe say, "I mean, I've invested in a bit more gear," but yeah, I don't know really. When creating a review, what are the things that you look for in a trick that kind of you want to mention in a video? Are there any kind of specific factors that you want to directly mention? I think. Yeah, I think it being it living up to the living up to what it's supposed to be is a big thing. I mean, I don't do many many negative reviews. You know what I mean? And a lot of people say, well, because I, well, the other thing is I don't really get many negative tricks because people that have bad tricks kind of know they're bad and they tend not to send them to me. Um, but I look for is it doable? Is it realistic? Or if it's not, if it's or is it beautiful or, or is it, you know is it well made and all that kind of stuff and what i'm really looking for is is it is it something that someone will get some value i'm not really looking for whether i like it weirdly enough because it's whether i can empathize with another type of magician and see if they would like it so so i'm looking at okay if i was a lay person what would this look like to me and i find that actually most tricks that i get are pretty good even the ones that aren't amazing you kind of go well yeah it would, it would kind of work in some context it would be a nice thing and, and let's not forget you know most most people me included now even though i still do a lot of gigs and stuff perform magic in a in an informal situation so i think we have to be less worried about whether it's a really killer trick because in an informal situation just something that's nice and half decent and unique or something is going to add quite a lot to someone that's sitting there having a beer you know we forget how amazing it is just to do something like uh I got a thing the other day that was, you know, one of those ones where you punch holes in the card and you get a ribbon and you move it f from hole to hole. As a magician, we, you know, when you compare it to things like wiki tests and all these mind-blowing things, you look at that and go, well, it's nothing. But actually, if, if you were sitting having a drink and didn't know anything about magic and you saw that, it would be a really unusual, novel thing to see. And that's kind of what I'm looking for. It, so it doesn't have to be like a, a closer or, you know, something that you're going to close your show with it. It's something that has some merit. Okay. When you started your channel, you obviously kind of had the trick reviews lined up. And mm. now I've, I've kind of seen that you've also started to diverse a little and you, you've kind of been reviewing and talking about conventions, giving mm. advice. So what do you think the channel will look like? Do you think you'll continue just doing lots of reviews and these on the side or do you think that these things will become a bigger part of the channel it's interesting so yeah because there's a, i suppose if i'm if i'm just reviewing products i have to ask myself why am i 
doing that other than getting some cool products and and you've got to be careful what you wish for you know like i've got loads of free magic stuff yet and you realize that it's not the it's not the answer to all happiness it's uh so i do say why am i doing it and and i think part of it is to find the stories and the information behind the trick and and you get feedback with people like i'm really glad you talked about that because i was struggling with that or this and you go well this could be quite a helpful thing to do and again i think the older you get the more important it becomes that you're it sounds very cheesy but that you're you're doing something of value to people it's not just i want to get a load of views for talking about a trick that's really unsustainable for me um so i think i can see it is so i do this monday thing where i talk about you know like this monday i'm going to be talking about imposter syndrome last one it was about you know, trying too hard and desperately to please people. And I think that's the stuff actually when I was starting out that would have been really useful to me. And it, and the other stuff I do, I now, and I just performed and didn't do anything else for years, but in the last 10 years, I run personal development and leadership training courses, which is basically that sort of stuff. It's how to deal with the world and and function more effectively within it. And, and I think if you can, I mean, magic is something that, you know, we, we, we can very easily it can it can be quite detrimental to our mental health being a performer i think you know it's you're out there you're putting yourself out there you know and there, there are a lot of struggles with that and i think that to talk about that other stuff is very important not for it just to be about the tricks and the thing because people do struggle with it they struggle with performing they struggle with nerves they struggle with imposter syndrome and they struggle with learning um all that stuff that i did so it's so I think to share our stories is really, really important, especially for those people that are just starting out on their journey and don't really know what to expect. So yeah. I think, not to, sorry, you know, so I didn't really answer this question, but I think the answer to the question, yeah, I think I'm going to try and do more of that stuff that is sort of doing both things, ticking all boxes, talking about products that people want to talk about, but also saying, okay, here's a thing that I experienced once and how I got over it. Or you know, because when when I was researching kind of and kind of looking over your stuff for this interview i saw that you had another channel which was you had quite a few other kind of well, <laughs> non-magic related things like yeah. seven habits of highly effective people yeah yeah how come you stopped that was it trying to are you now trying to integrate those things into this channel I think that other channel is weird because that was I just had one channel for years and I stuck magic stuff on it and I, it wasn't really for anything. I just kind of I did this film with Arctic Monkeys like 10 years ago and that, I put that on it. And then so people that wanted to know about me to put me as a magician, I could just say, oh, there's my YouTube channel. It's got some video on it. Um, and then I started getting into this whole personal development thing. And and then again, I kind of people that want to book me as a speaker or something like that I, I like them to know exactly what they're getting you know transparently so I can say well have a look at that channel and if you like these kind of waffly videos and this sort of stuff um then that's kind of what so there's no surprises so uh, so then it became that and now I've started thinking yeah I think the the magic stuff I'm going to bring that stuff into it but also go the other way as well and maybe do some more stuff on that other channel which is just Steve Faulkner speaker trainer coach um, and do some more stuff, which is kind of like this stuff, but non-magic related. But it's just time, really. I think the reason I'm not doing both is because I just, the reviews take me so much time. I mean, loads and loads of time. It, it's the ed, not just the editing and the thumbnails, but it's the, it's the, you know, I don't review a trick that I haven't learned. And sometimes it'll take me a day or more to learn a trick just so I, I can really honestly talk about 
how it's going to feel when you do the trick. You know, how's it going to feel in your hands? Is there any moves in it that are actually really unrealistic? So, and you can't do that if you don't actually learn the trick to a certain level. Um, yeah. So I think it's time. Yeah. So the plan is to probably do both channels. And do you think uh, ha- uh, your knowledge and sort of personal development has helped you in your magic uh, and your YouTube? Uh, absolutely. Look, w- without without their personal development stuff, I just couldn't have done it. The, the whole thing, because it's a very scary thing to start putting yourself out there. And I'm not someone that can. I mean, I am now, but but you know, years ago, I remember when I bought out this magic DVD. God, it must have been 15 years ago now, I think, and. Um, and there was one thing online that some kid had written in a forum somewhere that was really slating me. And it really got to me. Man. It just, it was a horrible thing to, and so it's, it's scary doing anything where you're putting yourself out there to be criticized. And, and there's no way I would have done that without the work that I'd done, you know, in, in, in personal development. So, so it massively helps and continues to, you know, it's, I'm completely self-motivated. I don't have to do any of this stuff. And I'm, naturally very lazy uh so i have to kind of have these little tools and triggers and things set up to 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 make me do do the stuff so yeah it's it's it completely changed my life and i'm not kind of evangelical about it it didn't change my personality i'm not one of these people that just bangs on and on in the pub about uh, going on a course and it changing your life but um it's kind of realistic stuff that i do it's not really the well it gets a bit woo-woo sometimes but it's you know, it's it is a it is the reason why I'm I'm um, I'm here talking to, talking to you and doing this stuff. And and a good example was the so I wanted to get um, better at talking on camera because I knew it was kind of something that I wanted to do. And like most people, when you first do it, it's just a really weird thing to do. It's it it's just odd. It doesn't. It's not like being on with someone in front of you. And I was like you know we all are when we first try and do it not not good at it at all um different like this because you're there but when you're talking to a camera as if there's people there i just couldn't do it and then um i was worried about what people would think so i then didn't do it i was perfectionist about it so what if it isn't any good so all these barriers and then i said to myself right this was about three years ago you're going to do a video a day on facebook and the rule was i would record it on my camera not on my phone i'm not allowed to edit I'm not allowed to watch it, and I've got to put one out every day just talking about whatever comes into my head, completely unrehearsed, unplanned, and everything. And I did that for like 50 or 60 videos. And that little way of thinking of going, okay, I'm having trouble trouble with that. The deal is to do it every day came from reading books on personal development and how to overcome challenges, and, and, and that's what it does. It kind of makes you consciously think of overcoming things rather than just saying, oh, no, it's not for me, or I'm not very good at it. Yeah, one thing, I mean, you've mentioned how you've obviously got your YouTube channel and how the videos take a long time to do, and yet you can still stay consistent with it. What's the main things that allow you to do that? How do you manage your time so it mm. at the end of the week you can get a video out? I think a big thing is that I'm not driven by money, which is... Uh, and you could actually argue that I'm awful with money. Um, and it's because, and that's why I've never got any. It's not because I don't earn any. It's because I'm just rubbish. And it, and every time I get it, I go, I've got some money now. I can buy something pretty. Like a, I want a Mac Mini now. Anyway, so 
but I think <laughs> and I don't need one, but now it's in my head, I know I'm getting it. So so the kids won't get holiday this year, but I'll have a Mac Mini. Um but the, the thing that keeps me doing it is going back to its values. It's is it something I value? And I do. I just love doing it. So the fact that I and, and it of course and there is a long term goal and it isn't what actually what motivates me to do it in any way, but when I don't want to do it, I kind of think, well, one day I may have enough Card Magic Course members to not have to do the work I don't want to do. So there is a drive there. I mean, the, the, it, you know, when people watch the videos, I mention the course, they click, and it's a very slow thing. And it's not, you know, I'm never going to be rich off it, but maybe one day it'll mean I don't have to travel to a gig I don't want to do and leave my family or the kids. And so there is a little bit of that. But I think it's because I really like it. I like, I feel like I don't want to let people down that have sent me stuff. That's a big part of it. And actually, I do sometimes get quite stressed with that. It's kind of like someone sends me stuff and all of a sudden one week I'll get like 20 things. And I know there'll be people listening to this going, what? Yeah, what? That'd be amazing. 20 magic. But I'm probably never going to use them in a show. And I'm probably, I mean, there's some I will. And it's amazing to get. So, so it is just work. It's kind of like I've got to learn a thing I'm not going to use to be able to write about it, talk about it. Uh, and it's and don't get me wrong, I do enjoy it, but it can become. Oh, I say yes to too many things, and um, so there is a big part of that is the, what keeps me doing it is not letting people down and, and knowing that people get something out of it. That sort of perfect segue into what we want to talk about next. So your card magic course. Um, so so explain to everyone what what is it and who it's aimed for. Okay, so yeah, good question. <laughs> So it started out, uh, gosh, sorry, how long is this going to take, Steve? It started <laughs> when I was six years old. No. So I I was, the, the origin story of that course was that I was seeing people teaching magic on, one of the things was I was seeing people teaching magic on YouTube. And I wasn't getting, like, upset about it because it was exposure, because I just don't think enough people were seeing, you know. But it was more just teaching stuff that actually was bad teaching and bad form and stuff like that. And, and everybody was moaning about it when it started happening on YouTube. And, and again, my, my stuff, the, the work that I've done makes me kind of think, well, if I've got a problem with something, rather than never complain about something you're not going to do anything about. So I don't complain about it or do something about it. And I thought, well, I'll make a course. So if people want to learn, pay a bit of money and learn off someone who actually goes out and does it and knows what works and what doesn't. And who can teach, you know, because I didn't know I could, but apparently I can and all that. So so there's a bit of an experiment to it. I'd, I'd, I'd actually been on a couple of online courses, not magic, but other courses that I liked the format. I liked being there and being able to learn in my, in my own time. So I thought, well, I quite like that. Again, Peter Wardell had kind of told me about a couple of things, the, the bits of software and things like that. So I thought, well, I'll give it a go. But it was a terrible business model it was you know i created this course took so long to put together i mean just there's so many videos you know paid for someone to film it i film it on my own now it was a big thing and um and charged a 35 quid one-off fee so it's like the worst business model in the world so for two weeks it did really well and then no one bought it no one that was it <laughs> so that was like great like woo and obviously i spent the money as it came in so that was done and then and then uh and then I left it, and then I went through quite a uh, upsetting divorce. And my life kind of it didn't fall apart really, but it was in, internally it felt like it was falling apart. And I really struggled. My kids were young, and I went through this divorce. And I really, it was a hard three or four years of struggle. 
And I just kind of let the course rot, really. I just kind of went, okay, well, it, that's why I was glad it wasn't like a monthly fee or anything, because I didn't have to put anything else on it. Um, so there were people still liking it, but it kind of lost traction. And then I, and I, that carried on and on. And then it was only probably three years ago when I kind of went, I looked at it again and thought, you know, when you forget how good something is when you don't look at it, even if something you've done, you kind of go, oh, I don't look at it. God, it's going to be awful. <clears throat> and I looked at it and I thought, actually, this is all right. This, you know, I'm really pleased with these videos. And most of them, I put new stuff on it every month now, but I've still got a lot of the old stuff and it's, and people still really respond to it. It's, I took a lot of time over it. So I thought it would be a really, uh, it was kind of like a five-year plan. I kind of thought, well, if I chip away at it in the background, make it a monthly fee, um, you know, add videos to it, maybe do a live session every few weeks and, and just add a few videos to it every month, that would justify a fee of 10 quid a month and see how it goes. Uh, and I put it on a new platform and it, people really responded well to it. I started getting a few new members, but I didn't really push it. I, I've mentioned it on the channel, but and, but then COVID happened. So I just kind of went, you know, my five-year plan turned into a two-month plan, really, because I was like, I really need some money because all the gigs went and all the leadership work went and and i kind of went what am i gonna so i just and that's where i sort of went right let's make this let's do weekly live sessions make it really valuable for people uh so that that was the kind of motivation and now the motivation is really to again provide somewhere where people can learn off someone who actually does it um it's a it's not a passive income thing it's something i'm part of you know and i wanted to create a, a community we've got such a lovely community on there i mean we the zoom sessions are great we you know everybody meets up and a lot of people don't use them obviously they'll just want the video there's like hundreds of videos on there and there's a royal road course that i've just halfway through building and that's getting as i make it that's getting put on the course and there's like 100 videos on that so um but we, you know what's happening now is that people are starting to I always wanted to create a place in physically, like almost like a, an open spot. You know, you get open spot nights for comedy where it's accepted that you can try stuff out. It doesn't have to be brilliant. And and I thought magic doesn't really have that. It, it, if you do a show, you've, you, there's kind of expectation on you. Obviously, you can session with people. That's fine. But but what if it, we, there could be somewhere where someone who's working on a trick didn't have to worry about whether the slights were perfect, just needed to get a feel for how it was going to feel to do it. Uh, and the Zoom sessions are starting to become that. People people kind of will be working on a routine. They might be doing it for the public in a couple of weeks. They want to just, you know, you try it out. And um, and it's, yeah, so it's so it's becoming kind of what I always wanted it to be. And and it's aimed at, I would say it's, I mean, there's anything on it. It starts off how to hold a deck of cards and goes to second and bottom deals and stuff. But, but I, I think it's really aimed at people that want to, that like the idea of learning a lot of moves, which I do, I think it's really useful to have a good toolkit of stuff to know, you know, it, it would bore me to death, I'm not against it, what, you know, do what you want to do, but it would bore me to death to spend 20 years doing magic only knowing three moves. And, you know, I like to be able to improvise and I like to gain that sort of what I call knowledge saturation of kind of just being an expert on something, knowing, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot I don't know, um, a great amount I don't know, but, um, and I, but that's you know the constant learning for me. But but yeah, somewhere there's one place where you can chat, um, ask me questions, but have a huge library of stuff to learn that that is taught well. You know, teaching is a skill. It's it's a hard skill, and it's it's not an easy thing to do. Um, so when you're when you're taught by someone who 
is either not really dry, and I'm only saying this from feedback. I'm not. This isn't my grand opinion of myself. You know, I have asked for lots of feedback from the members, and they all say, you know, it's not dry. It's fun. It's clear, and you take your time teaching and all that kind of stuff. So, so yeah. I mean, it'll always grow, and it. Will, who knows what it'll be in five years? But so, yeah. Given its name, Card Magic Course, do you only teach card tricks? No, it's it, it's kind of. Yeah, so it started at that, and, and I didn't have a clue what I was doing when I started this thing. So I, if I call it that, it would be great for SEO because people just type in car magic, and then you realise nobody types in car magic calls for SEO. So it's, it's, it's a complete waste of time. So if, I, if, I had me, if I had me time again, I probably wouldn't call it that. But now what's starting to happen now, so it is mainly cards because I did think it would be easier to kind of make it maybe a little bit niche. It's not exactly niche, is it? but less general. Um, but what we do on the, like, we ran a session on, I did, someone wanted to know, we, I did Lincoln Ring session the other day in the live sessions. Um, I've got my lecture on there, which is everything, my cups and balls. Uh, I've got coin stuff on there. And the deal is that if members can request stuff as well, and it doesn't have to be card magic stuff. So I've got a whole course called How to Practice, which is literally just the approach to practice and theory and and how to get the most out of practice sessions. And so... Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it's kind of, I suppose, mostly on it is cards, but the live sessions, we go off on tangents all the time. And they're uploaded to it as well. So that's kind of, that's, that's there for everyone. Would you want to do that sort of live sessions in real life, in, in sort of physical body? Um, or do you just want to keep it on Zoom uh, just because it means it's sort of more international? Yeah, I think I'll always do the card magic course ones on Zoom because it is really, I mean, there are people just from all over the globe and it's lovely, you know, it's a really nice thing. And, um, you know, the same people come every week and it's it's great. Um, but I really, really love lecturing. And, and I did a uh, maybe three lectures. I did some years and years ago um, before lockdown, maybe three or four lectures before lockdown. And I really felt like it was, oh, yeah, I, I can do this. This is good fun. Um, saying that I did a lecture online the other day and they've been really good as well but I got completely lost in the middle of my cups and balls teaching that at the end because I panicked I realised I'd run out of time and it was, it was one of those things I just kind of well, I don't know where I am now <laughs> so I'm not perfect at it in any way but but I enjoy it and um, so I'd like to do more physical lectures definitely yeah and, and it's a lovely way I think to to see the world a bit you know I, my kids are getting a bit older now so I'd, I'd rather go I can't, you know, it's a very expensive thing to travel. But if you can travel and do lectures and not have to spend a load of money and do something you love. And I love talking to magicians now. I, I used to, I, went, I was really sniffy about it when I, first, when I went through my wilderness years bit where I kind of got out of it because I remember going to Blackpool and it was not a bad convention, but everything was about, this isn't the one I talked about earlier, it was like a few years later, but everything was just about selling. Every, every lecture was just a dealer den. And I just got, re again, it was my second time again, really disenchanted with it. Um, and I was really down on the community. I was kind of, again, stuff going on in my life that didn't help. But now I think, I think it's such a lovely community. The people I meet are just the nicest people in the world. And, and it's, so, so yeah, I want to do more and more and more of that, really, and talking to these people and, and connecting with them. So it's great. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much, Stephen, for uh, sharing everything you did with us. And now to finish off the podcast, we're going to do a quick fire round question. Cool. So what's cool. your favorite deck of cards? Do you know what? 
I'm probably bikes just because I, I cane them. I just go for them so much. So I just buy bikes from Costco. But the favorite ones I've just got, I've just got put a review out actually today of the, um, and I'm not, people think I'm affiliated with Vanishing Ink because I just always really like their stuff. But they've got these, these new ones which are called the Feather Deck. And they're really lovely, really thin mm-hmm. and, and nicer because I, I quite like cardistry. I'm not very good at it, but I quite like it. So, um, yeah, I really like them. But no, I think just the, the, run, the run of the mill bikes are fine for me. So. If you could only keep one magic book, what would it be and why? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> oh, mate. I think the Mike, well, the Michael Amar book of magic. I think is amazing. The magic of Michael Amar, uh, That's a good which book. it's a great yeah. book. Right? It's, it's kind of, it's again, a, it's got the bill switch. It's got loads of really good stuff in that, but say no, I probably learned most stuff out of it now. Um, uh, so one that, one that I've wanted to read and never have probably, uh, but yeah, Oh God, Oh, books of wonder. There you go. Both books of wonder. They're good, aren't they? But there's loads of them. I'll keep changing my mind. So I better stick on them. If you could meet any magician, who would it be and why? Oh, uh, funny, because I've met... Who would it be? Because I've met a lot, a lot of the ones that... I, I, and don't get me wrong, I met them. I didn't sort of spend loads of time with them. That's a really hard one to answer. Uh, do you know what? It's, I suppose it would be Cardini. Because I'd say to him, show, show us it close up. Because I think Cardini is one of the only people, you know, when you see him doing the, the billiard balls, it looks like real magic. You can't see him palm them. You can't see him get, grab them. You can't see him load them. I mean, just, and I'd love to see that stuff up close. And yeah, and I've got the Cardini book. He had a fa- fascinating life as well. I think Cardini, and again, probably again, because there's so little footage of him. There's a kind of mystique, mystique about him as well. It, so I'd, I'd, lo- I'd love to. And he, he fascinates me, Cardini. If you can only perform one effect that you've reviewed on your YouTube channel, <gasps> what would it be? Um, why I should have prepared for these, shouldn't I? Ah, <laughs> oh, just one. Yeah, only one. I think. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll do it, and then I'll say at the end. Oh, why did I? I think, I've, I've, and I've bigged it up a lot. And I don't mean it's the best trick in the world, but it's, out of all the ones I've reviewed, it's probably the one I that I do the most of when I'm working, when I'm out there. Is level one. I just think there's something so pretty about that, about that, that thing. And I'll bang, I'll, and then well, after this, I'll go. No, I should have said the thing. But um, I just think it's such a beautiful when you, you forget when you first see that thing, it just looks incredible, and the responses are amazing as well. So I, th- I think probably le- level one, probably. If you could, if you couldn't do ma- uh, magic, what would you do and why? I'm doing well. I, I, so in my show, I'm doing not just magic. So I've really, I mean, uh, uh, there's a cop out saying mentalism in it, <laughs> uh, and and also, do, and uh, I, I think if as a career to be a speaker, and it, I know I'm not really a speaker. I'm a kind of trainer that does talks, but I, I, to be a speaker, I, I've always wanted to get a really strong talk. And actually, my show is going to be. Um, half talk, half uh, half magic show, I think. Um, but yeah, and, and but I have, I did think 
the other day, you know, all this stress of, of getting stuff done. And I thought, I just, I, I wouldn't mind. I wish I could just get a job driving. You know, no stress. You get home, you don't have to think about it. Do you know what I mean? Because my brain doesn't stop thinking about the stuff I do. And, I, and I'm, it sounds really ridiculous. But I just I said to my mate the other day, he's, he runs this kind of uh, big team restaurant in Norway. And we're, he's going, I just want to be a driver. I just, I just want to get up in the morning, get in the car, listen to podcasts and get home. <laughs> yeah, something really basic like that. If you forgot everything about magic, how would you then go about relearning it? I don't think I, I don't think I'd do it differently because I, I think I'm I'm glad that I didn't go to magic clubs and stuff and and I could be right and I'm not saying this is right for everybody and just personally that I think I'm so easily influenced by people I'm really externally motivated so anybody tells me something I go yeah all right and and, and I think I needed to do it kind of on my own and create my I, what happened is because people there were so skilled and I thought that was the norm right. And it kind of is become, I mean, people are ridiculously skilled. But, it, and I thought, like I said, I thought I'd go to my first convention and everybody would be able to do bottom second deals. And that's, that was the norm. And I didn't know any different. So because of that, my, my standards were really high. That was what my goal was. It was to be able to do the stuff that I'd seen um, Bill Malone do. And, that, and that's kind of, I thought that's what magicians do. So I don't think I'd do, I mean, if I, I was to kind of, Maybe I'd do more. I would train myself to perform in front of magicians a little bit more a bit earlier. But I think I did it. You know, I got card college and I worked through that thing from cover to cover, which I think was the best way for me to do it. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah, I think I wouldn't have done it that much different. Maybe done a lot more kind of online stuff that's available now, you know, like the masterclasses and stuff, which is just great. And what uh, piece of advice would you give to our listeners? Mm. Understand. I would say learn about learn that read out and everybody says it's such a cliche but I, and I always sort of roll my eyes when people used to say it but read outside of magic read about how and I don't mean marketing and things like that I mean read about the things that the struggles you have are normal for a lot of people and it can be very easily not easy not to know that so when you when I talk and I talk about imposter syndrome a lot, you can see people light up because they're just so glad it's actually a thing that exists. They think it's just them, right? They think, oh, I thought it was just, and it's like, no, I haven't met anybody that I've met people that are just world class at what they do, just incredible, but still have imposter syndrome. They still get insecure. They still get, and, and you've got, and if we don't know that, we we have false role models and it means that when we feel that we think it just does and we think it maybe it's a reason to stop or it's and i think to to talk openly about that stuff so i would say you know read about communication and and self-development and even classics like you said seven about habits of highly effective people to to get your motivation to understand that when you get drops in motivation that's a really normal thing it doesn't mean you're getting out of it and and um and talk to people again that uh, outside of magic that, that have achieved things and, and what another i've gone terrible at this quick fire thing and i but um i would say surround yourself with people that are doing what you want to do you, you know not I, I don't mean just people just those people you know don't start sacking your friends off just because they're not amazing <laughs> magicians but, but i mean if you want you know and, and i've always done this if you even when i started learning to juggle i've i found 
the best jugglers and ask them questions and actually they end up being friends. I didn't, it's not, wasn't like a manipulative sleazy thing of networking to try and be their mate because they were great jugglers. It was like an, to genuinely go, oh, how'd you do and find out how they did it. And, and what you find out is that they're just normal people that have the same challenges, but just work really hard at what they do. Great. Thank you so much, Steve, for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. And thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing everything you did with us. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's a real pleasure. And thanks. And I think it's great what you guys are doing. It's hard work doing this stuff. So, so good on you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Mystery Behind Magic. If you want to find out more about Steve, you can go on his website, stevefalkner.com. His card, Magic Course, Steve colon s colon school colon 76 e5 dot think think ific dot com uh, forward slash bundles forward slash card magic course his youtube channel real magic review um his second youtube channel steve faulkner speaker trainer coach his instagram steve faulkner well as i said we'll have all of those linked in the description below thank you once again so much for tuning in and we hope to see you next time